It's Wednesday, June 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today, back from the wilderness. It's Bill Barker. Good to see you. Good to be back. Glad you survived your camping trip. Uh, we don't need to review that one. The, uh, we, the people who were listening to our riffing uh, before we started the show are, are exhausted about hearing your uh, hatred of the word glamping, which we'll cover <laughs> in a future apropos of nothing episode. Yes, yes, we do need to figure out a future apropos of when nothing. When does that episode. future arrive? You know what? We'll talk about that after the show today. But uh, okay. today we've got luxury goods in the news. We've got some earnings. We've got an IPO, uh, which is surprising. But one programming note I need to hit, which is that um, it's a short week for us here at Market Foolery. No show on Thursday because Thursday is Fool Fest which is our member event. Um, it had been planned for mid-May at National Harbor in the Washington, D.C. area, and we're doing Fool Fest at Home, so it's an all-day video event for our members. So that's going to be on Thursday. So this is the last Market Foolery for this week. We will be back on Monday. With that, let me get to shares of Zoom video communications up 4% today, hitting a new all-time high, their first quarter revenue was huge, so huge that they doubled their revenue guidance for the full fiscal year. And I know we always talk about you need to look below the headlines, and you do. But when your headline is, we're doubling our revenue guidance for the full fiscal year, that's a really good headline. Yeah, uh, 4% up today understates dramatically uh, what's been going on here, uh, because this, is, this isn't really that much more incremental news uh, on top of what you've already seen uh, this year and over the last year. The stocks uh, going into today was already up a little bit more than 200%. So, 4% uh, today is, is a nice uh, addition on top of that. But uh, everybody already knew uh, that Zoom was in the middle of one of the uh, great software quarters ever. I think was was one analyst's uh, categorization of it, and uh, of course we're using it right now, and uh, so many millions of people are using it uh, around the country and around the world, and you know the the reasons for the continued uh, not only guidance raise but looking beyond you know this year why people would be enthusiastic about the stock is I think they are able to see uh, just how uh, how impressive the future uh, may be for this. It's interesting when you think about the challenges Zoom Video had a couple of months ago around security. And rightly so, you started to see competitors like Microsoft Teams and uh, Cisco Systems WebEx work uh, security into their marketing messages. It's a smart move. I would do it if I were them as well. But Zoom Video's response was really impressive because they basically said, the money we were going to allocate towards R&D spending on new features, we're not doing that. And for the next three months, we're putting all of that money towards more robust security. And uh, it was a really smart move by Eric Yuan and his team. And I, again, this is their first quarter they just reported, and they feel good about uh, good enough about the next nine months that they're like, yeah, we're going to double that guidance we had before. 
Yeah, this is the quarter that ended uh, April 30th. So it was uh, February, March, April, and things picked up dramatically during March. Uh, by the end of the month, uh, most of what was going to be shut down around the country uh, was shut down. So April uh, was even better. And, uh, you know, May, uh, as as the length of time that this episode of, of the coronavirus gets extended, um, you know, and, and people's awareness that things will change both up through the time that a vaccine is available and beyond that uh, potentially as well. You know, Zoom may have been thought early on as something falling more into the category of of a fad. Uh, but at this point, you'd have to say that not only has it gone beyond a, a fad to a trend, but it's more in the category of a trend to a revolution. Uh, that is, you know, this show right now, we're doing it on Zoom because we have to. Uh, you had never done podcasts using Zoom before this moment, uh, but it was there. It was available. You could have used it to do the podcast with uh, the many Motley Fool employees around the country. They weren't available to come in the studio on a specific day. Somebody like Jim Gillies, you'd wait for him to be in our office. Uh, now you don't need to wait for that. Going forward in the future, I'm sure you'll want to, when the office is available, I think the chemistry is better uh, between host and guest uh, when they're there in the studio. But you can get uh, Jim Gillies or Rick Muneras or Brian Hinman or, or the you know people around the world, of course, in our company uh, to, to zoom in and, and produce your shows uh, that way. And so, I mean, I think that you're using it right now. We're both using it right now for this. Um, but it's going to be used even when it doesn't have to be uh, for a lot of things that it, it could have been used for and people just hadn't, their imaginations hadn't hadn't gone there yet. Right. And I mean, think about this as a product, as a, as a business product. This is something that many businesses had available. And, you know, whether they're they're using uh, WebEx uh, or Zoom video or, or you know, uh, Google Hangout, whatever they're using. B businesses are using this. This is not a consumer-facing thing. Well, now it is. It is absolutely a consumer-facing thing. And there are people uh, across America whose businesses use one of those other video systems but they've probably now got exposure to Zoom video in their house because maybe their kids are using it for school or, you know, so, so a big part of the challenge for any of these video conferencing businesses is getting people just to try it in the first place. And now we're in this situation where everyone is kicking the tires on this. So, so you know, one of the narratives about the Zoom video for a while has been, as you said, well, this is a fad. We're going to get past this. Um, uh, and then even, well, it's like, well, how many people are they going to convert into customers? Uh, but but now it just seems like so many people are exposed to not just video conferencing, but Zoom video in particular, that the idea of, well, when we get back to normal, um, you know, corporations are still going to make their decision. I don't know. I feel like Zoom has um, addressed the security issue in a strong enough way and gotten exposure to all these people that people who otherwise would not have had an opinion and i would include you and me in that you know previously it's like what video conferencing 
uh, system does our company use? I don't know. We're, we're not making people much smarter than you and me are making that decision. But now people have opinions. They're going to have opinions because they've tried Zoom, even if their business, their place of employment is using something else. So I don't know. I, I totally, I mean, it's eye popping that they doubled their guidance on revenue for the year, but I also get it. Yeah, they're, they're up uh, 354% uh, year over year on uh, customers with more than 10 employees. That's one metric they pull out, they bullet point, they highlight, they put it in bold uh, at the beginning of their report because it's such a big number. Um, and it's one way to measure the growth. And, you know, I, I'm sure, I don't know, have you had uh, Zoom calls during this time with your your college friends or your family or yeah, which absolutely you hadn't done before. Uh, I'm going to assume uh, I hadn't, but you know it's now there are one, two, three of these a, a week in my life with old groups of friends or family, uh, which will uh, probably continue. You know, past past the time when that's the only way to connect with people. And, and it's and it's it's gotten every age group too, right? I mean, right. the kids are forced to use it by their schools, uh, and and so they have it. And you know, parents and grandparents are using it to uh, connect with with their kids. So it's not just you know like any number of the social media companies which have had wildfire growth, uh, but more in a younger demographic which has less money. Um, and and certainly the numbers are uh, astounding for some of those platforms. Um, but you're you're capturing everybody, and if you have to spend five dollars a month out of your own pocket to maintain, you know, Zoom access at the point at which they charge, you know, the, the consumer facing side of the the product, people are going to have already developed, I think, uh, addictions to it enough that they can that they can monetize what they're now providing for free. Let's move on to luxury goods. And Tiffany is in the spotlight today on a report that the planned $16 billion takeover by LVMH may not go through. Now, LVMH is Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy, um, luxury goods company based in France, uh, market cap around $45 billion. Reportedly, they had a board meeting on Tuesday and uh, looked at what's happening in the United States, and they may be having second thoughts. Shares of Tiffany are down nearly 10% this week. Uh, yes, it's certainly no surprise that any uh, merger and acquisition that where, where a price was agreed to uh, back in the fall and hasn't closed and has the opportunity to renegotiate or escape from, um, now there may be uh, penalties involved on that based on whatever the, the agreement at the time back in the fall was, uh, but just as you know, the Victoria's Secret uh, spinoff um, seems to have stalled, and just really anything where a price was agreed to, I think gets revisited in this time. Now, you know, the drop is not all that great um, because economic conditions don't look nightmarish from some perspectives uh, right now, but. Uh, there's certainly a lot of question marks about how Tiffany's uh, what what level of strength there is going to be in in the consumer over the the very near term. Do you think Tiffany needs this deal? 
No, I don't think they need this deal. Oh, well, there are some questions, I think, about, you know, the debt levels and the debt servicing. Uh, but I, I don't think that I'm one of those people that, that looks at Tiffany's business and what it sells with the knowledge that ultimately all jewelry is a scam. That there is, that there, there it, it, you know, something like a diamond is not a rare thing. And the reasons why uh, diamonds are expensive uh, have nothing to do w with the scarcity of, of the product, uh, but the, the brilliance of the marketing uh, behind it. Uh, and, and, you know, there, at some level, you can look at anything like, like rare gems and, and gold and say, I don't know what if everybody agreed not to pay anything for that stuff, right? Then, then where does Tiffany's go? But you know, hundreds and thousands of years of people choosing otherwise uh, is a lot of counterweight on the other side. So I think that uh, there's always the danger that uh, something like diamonds, in particular, uh, that the you know the market collapses for those, uh, but. It hasn't yet. Uh, so not having done so, Tiffany's is the brand name that everybody looks to uh, in that space. Uh, they are, you know, producing a product for the most part that uh, caters to the most well-off. The most well-off are hurting the least um, in, in this time. So uh, I think that uh, their, their business is not under... Uh, great pressure, but it makes sense for them to join with, uh, you know, a worldwide company like LVMH, which has these phenomenal luxury brand names and knows knows that space and knows how to uh, combine them and market them and and can allocate capital uh, to the different brands uh, according to what makes the most sense, rather than just trying to grow your one brand as as Tiffany has to do. Uh, you know, regardless of whether it makes sense. Uh, to try to grow that in every geography. It's just a little relationship nugget from Bill Barker there. For anyone listening who is dating someone and thinking, maybe this is the person I want to marry, uh, just drop that into a conversation. Well, you know, ultimately, all jewelry is a scam. And just well, see how that goes. I, I mean, I can fall back on personal experience. I went through the buying uh, the engagement ring emptying my bank account to do so. Uh, I think literally that was what I did. I was like, whatever's in my bank account, that's what I'm going to spend. You know, there's there's that like three months of, of pay rule or salary rule uh, that also is just another brilliant scam by the industry. Hey, why don't you just take three entire months of your salary? I think it's, I think it's two months. Uh, I guess it depends. It's like it's like tips, you know. It moves over time. Like, oh, you're supposed to tip eighteen percent now. It used to be fifteen percent. Now maybe twenty, maybe twenty five percent is good. Uh, not that that's a scam, uh, but uh, unfortunately, the uh, fifteen years into uh, our marriage, the diamond fell out of uh, Diana's ring, and uh, she was upset by that. And I said. I don't know. I mean, the ring did its job. It's it's you know, <laughs> don't 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 shed any tears over this. It's it's we don't have to worry about the that being gone. Now that actually conveys, of course, that the the amount of money in my bank account at the time I bought the ring couldn't have been that much, if I was able to like ah whatever, <laughs> don't worry about it. 
But I think all the, you know, the couples out there that decide to take that money and uh, uh, invest it into a phenomenal honeymoon uh, rather than spend it on a ring are making a choice that this generation, uh, you know, some some of them find uh, logical and appealing. And, and, you know, to the extent that that uh, notion takes off even more so, uh, the diamond industry is, is that much uh, more under pressure. And I uh, would have to say that I've en- enjoy- enjoyed uh, many vacations and, and my honeymoon uh, more than I think, uh, you know, the, the, the ring was worth. Let's wrap up with an IPO. Um, Warner Music Group going public today at $25 a share. Um, we actually don't have a price as of this moment. Usually, you know, 90 minutes into the trading day, uh, we have a price. I haven't seen one yet, but it, is this the right move to IPO in this environment, in this business. Um, one of the things we talk about is when a company's getting ready to go public and they, you know, they want to make their S1 filing look as good as possible. Total revenue for Warner Music Group was down in the first quarter. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying the music business is going away, but uh, this, this is not one of those IPOs that I'm uh, on the edge of my seat excited to buy into. Uh, well, you've done You've listened to music, right? Sure. Uh, so uh, what's what's your experience with that? Pretty good stuff? Yeah. Music as just a thing to listen to? Yes, I'm pro music. Yeah. So I think, that, I think that's, that's sort of the basis here. Uh, the music industry is... Uh, when you say is now a good time or is this the right time uh market conditions are reasonably attractive to to sell stock if you're a business this is not at all uh, a bad market in which to raise capital not that the company is raising capital this is selling shareholders this is the private equity that took the business uh private in 2011 spinning it back out to the the public uh you know right now the economics of the industry are, you've got a lot of cross holdings. Um, and I believe Tencent is uh, an investor in this, uh, in this company, in this IPO, or there's uh, news that they took a, what will amount to maybe a 2% stake of the company. Um, you've had Warner previously having owned uh, a, a stake in Spotify and having, I think, uh, sold that off. So between the the record uh, labels and the owners of, of the music and the the platforms that now uh, have taken over how people listen to music, uh, the marriage of those things is constantly evolving, but is not um, not as dangerous, I think, right now for a, a Warner Music Music Group as maybe a couple of years ago when things were less settled and and the cross ownership was not quite as established so i don't know whether it's worth investing in the company i'd have to look at the numbers a lot closer than i've looked at which is not at all uh so far uh because it's 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 not public and i'd rather you know something be out in the public for a little while and see you know see what their game plan is rather than get excited about uh the, the possibility of investing in this company today yeah, and a nice reminder that as a general rule of thumb, uh, it's always worth remembering that being a public company is more challenging than being a private company. And as investors, we tend to want to see 
a couple quarters. I want to see how you do a couple quarters in. Um, and part of that is how do you do on the conference call? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, Warner Brothers, a, a phenomenal name in the industry throughout uh, our lifetimes. Uh, and, you know, they've got a lot of uh, great music in, in their library and the ways to monetize that uh, you know, are abundant. And this is actually, people are listening to more music from what I understand right now. Uh, you're more of an expert on this whole music thing than I am. Um, but uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it was not, not historically a, a phenomenal investment, um, Warner Brothers, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been combined and divided up so many times uh, over the years uh, in, with the different pieces of the business. I think just having the music business separated out uh, is going to make it easier for investors to make uh, intelligent bets. Bill Barker, good talking to you as always. Good to be here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you on Monday. Monday.